Welcome everybody back to Telecom Radio One, and we are continuing our series dissecting popular IT nerds. And today I'm very happy we've got Aaron Siemens on the show. And this is right before you're taking off to go to Mexico. So, hey man, thanks for giving me a few minutes here before you actually, uh, you know, go to have some fun in the sun, hopefully here. Yeah, fun in the sun. Well, you know, I'm glad to be here. It's nice to give back a little bit of knowledge for people that are trying to come up in the ranks and even people that have been there for a while. Nice, nice. So, so Aaron, you're IT manager at Yokohama Industries. You guys manufacture um, basically car housing parts and, and maybe give me a little, little more detail there on, on what you guys manufacture. But the main reason why I like having you on is, is manufacturing. You know, you guys have a lot of I would say, I don't want to say you guys are in a legacy mindset, but manufacturing in general in America has a lot of legacy systems just due to the nature of the business itself, right? Because you've got a lot of moving parts. Um, so typically, uh, I would say you have legacy systems that you are upgrading. Would you say that that is true or not true? Yeah, um, I think that's true. I think some of the problem is that, you know, the margins when it comes to manufacturing to be awfully tight. Um, so there's no real good way, good way to justify the cost for, you know, why do you need this IoT on this system or why do we need to replace this 60-year-old um, server or whatever. You know, I've seen all kinds of things from DOS still being used to, you know, old Windows 3.1.1 stuff. Um, and I think that's the, the kind of the mindset that comes in is like, you know, it's not broke, don't fix it. And the cost to replace can be fairly expensive. Yeah, yeah. So, and I find that, you know, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Obviously, there's this, this fine line there between uh, these sinking industries of the world, for example, Sears or other businesses that fail to innovate. Um, clearly, in, in technology is a driving force in the business world nowadays. Um, so, and the reason why I really am fascinated with mid-market IT in general is because you guys, you're not, you're not really small business and you're not enterprise. So you don't have all the money in the world, but technology can be a significant driver as far as driving the business forward. And then here you are, the, the IT director with your small staff supporting, you know, hundreds of people how do you make that argument or I guess what, what are your thoughts on the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And where, how are we communicating say to upper management stakeholders? How are we taking over in this very, this age that's changing very, very fast where we have to be very competitive from a technology standpoint? Well, I think there's a balance. Um, I think there's a balance between if it's not broke, don't fix it. And also, you know, moving the business forward. Um, you know, the things in my career, IT over the last 20 years has changed quite a bit. Um, you know, it went from being the guy in the walled up room, the released, you know, slid foot, food underneath the door um, at lunchtime <laughs> and no one talked to you, you know, and we just went around and fixed things. You know, my computer broke, my emails broke, my mouse doesn't work. Um, and things have evolved to where IT is more driving the business. Um, you know, everything's connected. Um, you can't, I can't go on the plant floor anymore without having a machine, a CNC machine or something that's connected to the internet that, you know, we have someone from Asia getting in to do remote support on, um, something. Um, so, you know, there's, there, there is a balance between it's not broke, 
um, let's not worry about it. And then there's bleeding edge. You know, and the mid market is very interesting. It's can be, it's, it is challenging um, because, like you said, you know, I don't have my budget doesn't have the millions of dollars to just go spend on a new server or anything like that. And yet, we're also not startup to where we don't have any money, mm-hmm. and so you get to try to make things work. And I've been both. Um, well, I've been more startup and then moved up. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, that's that is a struggle. Um, I think one of the things that um, you and I talked about before is, you know, we're not good at marketing. You know, IT is not good marketers of what they want. You know, we're all very analytical, um, we're tech geeks, you know. So it gets difficult for us sometimes to bridge the gap between um, what we think the company needs and what the company actually needs or how to grow the business, the business grow. Um, Something as simple as, you know, we need a new server. <clears throat> okay. You know, you go in for the budget meeting and we need a new server. It costs 30 grand, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you need a new server? Well, because. Well, why? Well, because it's slow. Well, why is it, you know, so yeah. it goes on and on and we aren't good at explaining it. We know that something's going to happen, but we can't translate into business set or business speech. Um, so, and I think that's part of the gap that, need, that you know, I've tried to build, uh, bridge um, mm-hmm. in my career. You know, you go in, you don't say that, hey, um, we need a server because it's slow. It's okay. So in the manufacturing world, we have a server. Um, I've been running the statistics on it. You know, I've got my um, baseline and I've seen over the past few months as we've added people, or added machines that there's reports that you ran now instead of being a minute, mm-hmm. you know, are now four minutes. Mm-hmm. And then that, four minutes needs to go to somebody else and that report goes to somebody else and that report goes to somebody else. And by the time you're done at the end of the line, you know, you're one day out, you know, and what's that cost the business? So then we start putting that into dollar cents and say, Hey, you know, if we're down or if it's, we're delayed by these five minutes, then this is going to cost us, you know, $60,000. And that's just one plant. And mm-hmm. if you spread that across all the plants, now it starts paying for itself. Let's break that down for a second. I'm just curious because I like that you said a lot of times we're very analytical and I find sometimes people get stuck in the engineering mindset where we're trying to fix a singular problem. We're trying to fix, like you said, like, you know, we need a new server. That's the problem. How do I fix? We need a new server. And when in reality, maybe we should be thinking more of, you know, like, what's the goal of the business? Which sounds crazy because we're trying to replace a server. What do you mean? Like, we're trying to fix the business. So what's the goal of the business? And I've seen a lot of people find money in other areas to fix the broken server. So I don't know if you've ever, I mean, have, do you have any examples like that? Well, like, hey, we found over here that, you know, we're getting ripped off on SIP trunking or we're, our MPLS is, you know, is, you know, maybe we should, you know, the old, what is it, Rob? Peter to pay Paul or something. I don't even know what that saying is, but um, is there any of that going on? Well, there is, you know, I don't even want to talk about MPLS stuff because it's horribly expensive and outdated, (laughs) I think. Yeah. I love talking about that. I love when that happens. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's horrible, but you know, I have, I have an example. Um, Actually, it's a good one because we just did it Friday. So, um, as we talked about before, you know, we're moving from IBM notes to 365, you know, that cost is not cheap. You know, it's a subscription base. It's going to cost us more money per 
we'll, OPEX versus CAPEX for sure. Yeah. And so all that goes on, you know, we've had notes for years and, you know, now we just pay support and so it's cheaper. So how do you market that and how do you bring that to the business and say, hey, we need to do this? Yeah. So let's take aside all the extra stuff that comes with 365 with, you know, teams and other really cool things you can do, integrations with other applications. Yeah. That we'll just set that aside, not even talk about that because that's just an add in. Mm-hmm. Get to the nuts and bolts of it. The way I approached it was if we agree to 365, it takes our Lotus notes off prem. Because mm-hmm. right now it's on-prem. It adds security for us, which is a byproduct of moving it. Mm-hmm. But it frees up our MPLS lines and our internet line where we have site-to-site VPNs to um, mm-hmm. our other facilities for our ERP. Yep. So as we moved it off, we no longer have all that email traffic coming into our corporate office. So that frees up throughput. Yeah. Not only that, it also frees up our MPLS lines because we don't have all the email coming through the MPLS lines back and forth. One less layer. Um, and yeah. and there's other stuff internally in our network that was not quite correct mm-hmm. that was causing issues as well. Mm. So at, even though we're spending the money to move it, we get the benefit of a faster ERP. We have faster reporting now. You know, our SQL server is able to handle some of the, the data a little bit better. Um, and I think it's overall. And that's kind of how I marketed, you know, the change um, was like, you know, we're not just, we're not doing this just to do this, but every little thing we do causes a ripple um, yeah. and affects multiple things. So you may think that I just want this new switch because I want a, something cool or, or, or whatever. Well, no, we're going from, you know, a... Um, one gig um, connection between switches to 10 gig. Um, that's more throughput. That's faster data speeds back and forth between endpoints. Mm-hmm. Um, that means fast, faster transactions, which means people aren't waiting for things, which means they're able to go produce more parts in a quicker amount of time. And in reality, you're also much more scalable as a business as well. I mean, you can scale. Yes a lot faster. You're flexible in the future for growth. You can even downgrade as well. Um, the whole, the whole move, add, change, delete process, all of that, um, really frees up your time to be, it frees up your time, period. It just makes your time that much more valuable. It's one less stupid silo for you to manage. And, um, I mean, I would assume managing 365 is much easier than, than managing it, um, you know, managing the, the notes, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, it's legacy. Not a lot of people know it, you know, and, you know, 365 is a little easier um, to do, you know, with the integration between other systems. And that's the thing about getting rid of legacy stuff as well, is that, you know, the integration that we have now between, we'll say, Azure AD and new software, mm-hmm. um, you know, instead of having users that have, six different passwords they have to remember, you know, we link it all up with single sign-on and guess what? You have one password you have to remember. So it reduces my cost from an IT labor perspective because I don't have all the people, you know, mm-hmm. logging tickets saying, I can't remember my password. Can you reset this password? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that. The the annoying ticket, I mean, you can't, you just can't be the glorified ticket taker. That's really what we need to get oh, away yeah. from. You need to be the visionary, uh, not be taking tickets. Um, yeah, but there's a fine line between the vision. You know, I'm a very service oriented yeah. um, person. So, you know, t- I want people to log the tickets. I don't care if it's, you know, my paper. Well, if it was internet connected, my, you know, my um, stapler doesn't work. 
you know, I, for me, it, for me, from an IT director perspective or from a leader um, in the organization, it shows trends, you yeah. know, uh, something that may be benign to a user. If I have seven or eight users having the same problem, it's probably hint to something a lot bigger. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm just talking volume in general. I, I understand. Um, I understand. What about uh, just, just a, since, since we're on this subject, what about, um, the ease of mobile integration and security. What about the difference there? Are you less secure now, more secure from your point of view, easier to manage security? Um, we're more secure. Um, you know, the way things were configured, you know, it's slightly embarrassing. Um, Never mind. You know, now that we, <laughs> yeah. Now that we don't have, and it's not, you know, I'm, I'm only been here a year. Um, so a lot of this stuff is just fixing stuff of, from you know, well, that brings us to the next, other people didn't know. To be honest with you, that brings us to the next topic, anyways, which is IT and transparency, yep. and you know how. I guess how should we communicate that? And that that kind of doubles over in into the security world as well, because security guys really have it tough. Because really, all they can do is try to protect the environment, and when something goes wrong, it's their fault. Uh, so if from a transparency standpoint, it's very, very important. What do you, I mean, how do you feel about that in general? Well, I think I'm huge on transparency. Um, I think that's one of the biggest change that I brought to the table in IT um, is the whole transparency piece. Um, that is one thing that I think IT leaders and new managers fall in the trap of is the lack of transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, always gone with the ideology that, you know, it is what it is. And if it's not right, let's work to change it and try to do the right thing every day. Yeah. You know, um, IT can be a strange world to business leaders. Um, and the more transparency you give, the more trust the business leaders have with you and your team. You make a mistake, you admit it along yeah. with how you fixed it and how you'll prevent it from happening again. And you move on. And the um, other thing is, the other thing is, is a lot of business leaders, aren't dumb either. The, the other thing is, is right. that just the fact that everyone has so much technology and has so much at their fingertips nowadays, the truth is our end users are getting smarter and smarter and our end yep. users are using applications and we're getting kids. I mean, I just know from my own kids and I know how my own kids hack the home system. So, uh, and I know how my own kids hacked my own cell phone and changed Siri to match their voice so that they could use my cell phone and unlock it. So that was a funny one. But the point is, is people aren't, people are pretty smart and they're going to find a way to get done what they need to get done. And the question is that transparency is going to create that more open, I guess, more open line of feedback so that we don't have people doing stupid things on the network. Well, that, and we also, it gives a comfort level for users. You know, like you said, you know, users, the new generation of users aren't dumb. You know, they're very technical, um, technology savvy. Um, so, you know, when we have a major issue here, sometimes a minor, I create a PowerPoint presentation. Here's what happened. You know, it may be colorful pictures or whatever, not too technical, but some people like it. Some people ignore it, but they have a better understanding of, Hey, this is what happened. Oh, wait, I shouldn't plug this in. So now Mm. I know, and this is, I know, now I know why. Mm. What's your, um, what's your overall temperature check on end users in general? How do you take temp checks? How do you communicate with them? Do you have any best practices there or, or little tricks or anything that you do to stay connected with end users so that it's not this weird other language between the two? 
Um, so one of the things we do for our temperature checks is, you know, we do surveys, you know, random surveys through whether it's our service desk system mm-hmm. um, or, you know, uh, another survey that's a blanket out to the, you know, uh, to the masses of how well are we doing, you know, just mm-hmm. three or four questions. Yep. Um, use that. Um, a lot of it is how much shadow IT you have. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a lot of shadow IT, you're not doing something right. Yeah. Um, if you have very little, you know, you're probably doing it right and people trust you and people are coming to you when they have problems. You know, when I first started um, here, there was very lack of, there was a lot of shadow IT. Now we have very little. When someone has a issue or a project, they get IT involved um, from the beginning, not after the fact. You know, they don't yeah. come and say, hey, I've got 10 copies that just showed up. You need to get them set up. Now we're talking before, says, well, what copies do you need? You know, what service or what um, different um, applications you want to use with it, those yeah, types yeah. of things. Uh-huh. So we're ahead of the game now. So and by being able to do projects and um, have them to completion mm-hmm. successfully gives us even more power in IT to do what's right for the business and get the money. Yeah. And just out of curiosity, from all the surveys that you've done, is there any one particular theme or thing that came back from the end users that you were like, oh, wow, that's interesting? Or how they said it, or the or the verbiage or the words they, that they used. Is there anything that pops out? No, um, honestly, there's not. Um, I mean, sometimes we do well, sometimes we don't. There's users, always one or two users that you can never please. Yep. Um, and there's ones that you know were, I don't want to say enemies of IT. That are now you know we're besties. You know because <laughs> they have a better understanding. You know, okay. and it goes back to going to having the transparency and being able to explain, you know, the marketing piece of this is how this one little piece that we're going to change affects the company as a whole. Gotcha. Um, okay, so here's the big one. The, the big one is by 2020, I can't remember what the statistic was, but it's something like eight, it's over 80% of IT directors are going to have to have a certain level of business acumen in order to be really prepared for the future and the job of either IT director, obviously CTO or CIO. So I guess my question to you is, are the majority are the majority of IT professionals who we used to just slip food under the door to that hit out, you know, we're hiding in the server closet. Are the majority of IT professionals, in your opinion, willing to shoulder the responsibility of technology driving the business? In other words, are they ready for MBOs? Are they ready for, you know, management by business objectives and having numbers attached to them? Or is that going to be too big of a burden for the more analytical analytical and engineering? kind of mindset people are, are we ready for this? I, that's a hard one because I think it depends on the individual. Um, you know, I think there's room in IT for everybody. You know, there are people that are just, you know, I, I see it on my team. Um, you know, I see people that are very much analytical. They don't want to manage people. They don't want to be part of the, the business. They just want to do coding. That's all mm-hmm. they want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I have others that, want to help and they want to learn more about the business and want to grow and help grow the business. Mm. So 
I, I think there's room for everybody. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I went back and got my MBA is because, you know, I'm seeing, like we talked about earlier in, in our conversation, is that in the last 20 years, things have changed. You know, we're not under the door, you know, we're not in that server room um, fixing things. We're at the table now with, you know, other directors and CEOs, CFO, um, mm. board of directors helping to drive the business. How do we get ahead of the market? How do we get ahead of our competitors? And a lot of it's with technology. How do we make things more efficient? I think it's actually a very, very powerful, um, a p- very, very powerful mix because uh, an IT director or a very analytical or engineering-minded person with an MBA can make decisions from an analytical standpoint without putting emotions to it. Where obviously you've got a lot of business leaders that are very, very emotional and maybe sales driven, you know, where it might be, where it might be the complete opposite of making decisions from a very, you know, yes, yes, we're making decisions from a, from a numbers standpoint. Obviously, numbers drive or drive the game, right? But from a much more calmer, maybe analytical standpoint, where we, you know, think before we, I guess, take aim and then fire, the, you know, all those old sayings. Uh, so I think it's a very, very powerful. Uh, mix and the the ones that can do that are going to grow very very fast um, in the business world. Yeah, and I you know I agree with that. You know I've been told that IT is sometimes the impetus of change in organization. You know because we touch we sometimes we can't work in silos while other departments and stuff always you know tend to work in silos. We have to touch everything. You know, yeah. from a quality application to our ERP to whatever, we touch all the departments. So we have the knowledge to go and say, you know what, you want to do this, you need to be talking to this department over here because they have the tools. Um, even between, you know, locations, you know, we go and see, hey, you know what, Mexico is doing this. This is how they're handling their labeling system. It's probably something that we should be doing, you know, at this other location. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever read the book Rocket Fuel. Um, if you haven't, you might, you might like it. Um, but to every visionary in a business, there's got to be a really good integrator as well, right? So you might have this crazy visionary that's all over the place. And uh, quite frankly, you can't run a business today without having a thousand systems all integrated together, driving it forward. Um, so oh, yep. yeah, very exciting. So, hey, um, it has been a pleasure. I am very, uh, this was a fun one. Uh, I hope you have fun down in Mexico. And I mean, if you've got any one, mes- one, any one message to send out to, you know, your other IT directors out there that are listening that can either, you know, grab some piece of, some valuable piece of information from this show, what would it be? You know, just be open and honest with the business. You know, if you make a st- mistake or your team makes a mistake, fess up and move forward. Um, that's probably the biggest thing. That's how you instill trust with the business and that's how you get in um, and more and, you know, help grow the business. They trust you. Yeah. And stay transparent. So, uh, Aaron, man, thank you so much for being on the show. Have a great evening and a fun time down in Mexico.